Peter cannot walk on water. Can he? <laughs> Peter could not walk on water. But he knew that if he put his faith in Christ, that he could do it. And that's simply what it is. We can't win a soul. We're going to find some scriptures that tell us. We cannot have an impact for the kingdom of God in ourselves. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got to do with our willingness to be obedient as a witness. Because that's what we are. We, the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you are a witness. And this is children right down. And that's why one of the young ones in the room, and I, and I know they can, they can hear me talking, but these, these guys from that age right through to the elderly, we're all called to be witnesses the moment we accept Christ. Mm-hmm. When I was out there ministering, I would grab one person, or the Spirit would grab one person, and I would talk to that person. And it might have taken me one to two minutes before I started talking to that person, and I may have let 30 people walk past me before I talked to that one person. So 30 people missed out. And then while I'm talking to that person for the next half an hour, hundreds, even potentially thousands, maybe a thousand people would have walked past me and missed out. And I'm thinking, wow, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I've I've got, you know, I really want to, um, reach these people, but they're just flocking, just jump past in the droves, and, and I'm the only one out here doing it. And uh, the Jehovah Witnesses are very active, aren't they? They're out there going door to door. The Mormons are out on their push bikes. They're going all over the place quickly. <laughs> you know, and I'm out there standing, I've only got one person, I've only got that one person, I've got a two hour window, and I've got, you know, three quarter hour of one person, I'm losing. All those people, and I realised, man, the harvest is so big. And all these people, no kidding, if you could get each person, if you had had the moment, you have to remember, sometimes, like, I I went at lunchtime, so I couldn't stop everyone because they would say, sorry, mate, I haven't got time. And I knew they might have only a 20-minute lunch break. I'm not going to try to impede on them right then. Hundreds of people, thousands, want to talk about God. Deep down, actually every single person does, every single person does, wants to talk about God. So we have a harvest field, which is every person. It's not just a few people. Everyone wants to know these things, don't they? And the church doesn't realise how easy it is. It's like fishing. It's It's as pleasurable as fishing. For a start, it will be the most exciting part of your Christianity you've ever experienced. You will never have had better experiences in your Christianity than the ones you'll have when you do this. This my, this one week has been the best Christian experience in my life. Seriously. Anthony and Lena, how are you? Good, good to see us. Probably seen you. Sorry, I'm just All right. Now, the name of my sermon today, my little cursor arrives, there it is, is You Will Be My Witnesses. And uh, I think this is a very timely sermon for what, uh, well, especially what's happened in my life in the last week. It's been um, incredible. I, I caught up with Anthony yesterday and told him, and I've also spent some time. Uh, I saw Bill during the week and I've 
been explaining to him what's been going on. But before I get into that without talking too much about it now, I want to basically get into the sermon and then I'll, I'll reveal it to you as we go. All right, turn to Acts, if you can't see that, we sort of <coughs> Acts 1.8. Everyone got their Bibles? Make sure you bring your Bibles to church. We're a Bible reading church. I don't put them up there anymore. Make it too easy for Christians these days, don't we? Acts 1.8, and it says this. It says, but you will receive power. You will receive what? Say it with me. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my... Say it all together. You'll be my... Witnesses. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and where to? The ends of the earth, which is where we are. Land down under. The ends of the earth. And uh, we're pretty low, aren't we? Away from Jerusalem. And so we're, we're right away away. But we're going to be witnesses. Now, he said that to who? When Jesus said that, he said it to his disciples, didn't he? So before I talk too much more about that, let's go and see what, how the disciples um, were moved by that. Let's go to Acts 2.32. Acts 2.32. God has raised this Jesus to life. And this is Peter speaking. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. So they were witnesses of the fact that Jesus was raised to life, and they were willing to stake their life on that witness. Mm. And I think that's it. No, we've got a bit more. Exalted to the right hand of God, they know that because they saw him ascend, and he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So the Holy Spirit, they were witnesses and now they have received the Holy Spirit and they're now speaking with power. And people are getting saved. Let's keep reading a bit further. Acts 3.15. And it says, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses to this. So they're witnesses to Jesus being raised from the dead. Acts 5.32. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So what that is saying is, we are witnesses of this, as in the disciples at that time, but so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is witness to this. And that's why we are now witnesses of this, because the same Holy Spirit that was in the disciples is the same Holy Spirit that is in us. So we are now witnesses of of the fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead and ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. Because you actually can't be saved unless you believe that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, can you? So we are witnesses now. We are witnesses. And that's important. So we are witnesses to the same through the Holy Spirit he has given us. And that's what our life is meant to be. The moment we accept this and become, we become witnesses to the resurrection of uh, of Jesus Christ from the dead yeah. and the ascension to the right hand of the Father. So we've got to keep that in mind. That's what a witness is. Now let's have a look at this. Tell them. The devil is out to disrupt the purposes of God being accomplished on this earth through you. The devil does not want you to accomplish God's purpose on earth. He doesn't want it. So he's going to do everything in his power to keep you from becoming active witnesses. Right? So he wants you not to believe in yourself. He doesn't want you to believe that God can actually move in you. 
He doesn't want you to, definitely doesn't want you to do the will of God. And we know, and I've, I've got a sermon that I've, I haven't finished yet, which is called The Will of God, or What is the Will of God? And the will of God, in every reference that I've read, is to be holy, interestingly enough. Isn't that interesting after all the teaching I've done on holiness? That's the will of God. So he doesn't want you to be holy. He wants you sinful. He wants you ineffective. He wants you mute. So he doesn't want you to speak to people. He doesn't want you to know the word of God. He doesn't want you to read it. And he'll do everything in his power to make sure that is the way you stay. He wants you riddled with depression. He wants you upset. He wants you angry. He wants you bitter with your brothers and your sisters. That's exactly what he wants. And so when you fall into that, when you fall into that feeling that you don't like this person, don't like that person, I'm I'm upset with this, I'm depressed, I don't feel right, and the the Bible, I've got no energy to read it anymore, and I don't pray, and you're falling into the devil's trap. You can see that. That's exactly what the devil wants. The devil doesn't want an effective church. Because if he gets an effective, if he lets an effective church rise up, he knows he's in for trouble. He knows that the devil could be overcome in an in a area. You know, revival could break out. People could start turning to Jesus with all their heart. You know, he doesn't want that. No way. See, he tried to kill Jesus, didn't he? Yes. He did. He actually killed Jesus. And he thought he had him. He thought he had him trapped in the death realm. Now you're mine. But Jesus was too powerful for the death realm. Death couldn't hold him. Hell couldn't hold him. He was out of there. Keys of Hades. Hell and Hades in his hand. Where did he go? He went and peered to the disciples, said, look, have faith in me. Now those guys turned. They became witnesses. Wow, look at this. This is our Jesus. This is our Jesus. He's great. And then they became great. Amen? They became great men and women. They became powerful witnesses and they went and did the right thing. You know, if you get your mind on being a witness, if you live to be a witness, everything else falls into place in your life. I'll talk about that in a second. He achieves this by keeping you from being effective, which is what I, what I just said. We must tell them. What does it say in Romans? Let's go there. 10, 14, 15. I'm determined to shoot through the passages today. Have you noticed? Do you like that? 20 minutes gone by and I've already... Well, not even 20 minutes. And I've already done a few screens. 10, 14, 15. So how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And we'll just go down to verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Alright, so faith comes from that. The message. How can they believe? How can people turn to Jesus? We can say, look at this world, it's going to rack and ruin, and, and you know, people are becoming God haters and atheists and, and all this sort of stuff, and we get really upset with our culture and upset, but you know what? Do we go out and do anything about it? Do we go out there and tell them? You know, if, if the twelve disciples appeared in Adelaide, they'd be out there. Straight away, bang, straight down to all the all the main streets of Adelaide, and they'd be telling them. Telling them, telling them, telling them. And people who are, you know, destined to believe will believe. That's what it says in the Word. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to Luke 10, 2. 
He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We talked about that yesterday, didn't we, Anthony? Yep. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, I, the revelation I received this week about the harvest was mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And I realised how few the workers are. How few. On, uh, which day was it? I think Tuesday. On Tuesday. Um, and it came because I, I got a... a, a we, Vina and I received an email from... Remember Yelena and... Um, Andrew? Oh, yeah. Remember? yeah. Now they found a church and they said, oh, this church we're in is a great church and, you know, they're preaching the truth and, and each week they go out and they pray for people in the street and they're out there. And I go, you know what, this is, you know, what am I doing? Sitting on my hands. So on Tuesday I made up a, a flyer and I was supposed to bring them, would you believe, but, and I was going to show you what the flyer says, I, it's not even on this computer. I made up a flyer and it says the most important question in life that you will ever ask is flyer, I should call it attract. Christian attract. The most important question you'll ever ask in your life is, does God exist? If he doesn't, then eat, drink and be merry. Yeah. If he does exist, then what? Question mark. Oh, you got one. And I just printed it out like this. I didn't go and spend any money, I just did a simple because it wasn't the emphasis wasn't gonna be on that, it was gonna be on the conversations I was gonna have. Mm. So pass this around so you can have a look. Thanks, Lon. And uh, anyway, out I went into the street. I went down, on Tuesday I went down into Guja Street and I stood, you know where the two lines are? Mm -hmm. um, in Chinatown. Yeah, but before that, as I walked down, I, uh, as I was I parked in the car park and a guy was trying to pull in, this Asian guy, and he was having trouble backing into his park, so I came and helped him and then I said, hey, do you believe? And I handed the fly to him on the track and... He says, yes, I'm a believer. But I didn't want to stop and talk to him because I, um, it just the, the situation was there was other cars trying to get in. It was a bit uncomfortable <laughs> to try to witness at that moment. So I went down the stairs and I walked out on the street and there's a guy sitting there having a meal. I walk up to him and I hand him the track and I sat down with that guy and for three quarters of an hour we discussed God and Jesus and his beliefs and, and so on. Then I walked down into Guja Street and then I had all these conversations with people and I just... I, Picked and choose. I basically stood there and I had the flyers, I hid them. I was doing it um, unassumingly, you know. I didn't want people to think, oh, what's that guy doing over there giving out all these <laughs> tracts? I just stood there and I just waited, you know, and I saw people walking past and then I'm praying, who should I talk to, Lord? Who should I talk to? Then I saw a guy and he just sort of looked at me and I looked at him and he looked at me again and I went, hey, come on, <laughs> And I started a conversation with him. You know, I want to ask you the most important question you're ever going to be asked. Does Jesus, oh sorry, does God exist? And he, go, and he started to answer the question. And I met a guy called, uh, he had a long name, Spanish guy, and, uh, but he said, just call me G. And I said, that's great, G. <laughs> really easy to remember. So I started speaking with him three quarters of an hour later. He's given me a big hug. Thank you for having this conversation with me. I really, you know, uh, I just love the way that you've approached this situation and stuff. And, and uh, I said, look, keep in contact with me because he was heading off to Perth. I said, um, now I didn't get him saved, but I opened up something in him that he hasn't probably heard before from somebody in the way that I put it, because yeah. of the way God organised it. 
Anyway, that guy left, and uh, that night I got an email from him straight away, bang, in my email box. And he says, I really love the conversation and stuff. So it's a beautiful thing to receive from this guy. Anyway, I talked to that day, in two hours, I talked to about 10 to 12 people. And only got uh, two or three people said, no, sorry, man, not interested sort of thing. And, um, but the rest of them was so easy. And, you know, Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men. Right? He says, leave your nets, come, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. And it felt like fishing. It really did. It felt like, I was. who likes fishing? Anyone like fishing? Well, you're going to love witnessing. Right? It's really good fun. And you know, you don't catch every fish in the ocean, do you? Right? But you get them on the hook and you, you know, and the fun is the sport of, you know, trying to pull it in. I got away, you know, but some you get. And that's really what it felt like. That's why Jesus used that analogy. Because if you enjoy fishing, you're going to enjoy witnessing. And if you do it in a way, we're not standing there with a megaphone trying to blast everyone, telling them that they're a dirty rock pack of sinners. We just basically try to reach them by talking to them. And you know what I found myself doing is listening. You know, I, then I went in every day. You know, I met Bill down in Semaphore. And I went half an hour early, walked down the street. Who can I witness to? Who can I witness to? And then there's this young guy walking up. His name was Lee. And I... Um, uh, handed him a flyer and said, do you think this is the most important question that any man could ever ask? And he goes, yeah, well, you know, I, I think about it from time to time. And I said, well, what do you think? And half an hour later, you know, and that guy was, you know, really, really blessed by, my, by me approaching him. And he said, thanks, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And one thing I did during the conversations is while they're getting into it and they're expressing their views and I keep asking questions trying to help them and lead them to Christ as they're expressing those views I just keep saying you're enjoying this aren't you you like talking about this stuff don't you and they go actually yeah. I don't get often the chance to talk about this because most people want to talk about it you know and it's just the way you approach it If I'm not, I wasn't trying to convert them on the spot I wasn't trying to jam anything down their throat, throat all I was trying to do was find out where they're at where are they at where is the average person at. And it's surprising that it's pretty well most people, and I'm not talking you know, outside of religious people, most people are, are exactly where the, 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 the culture is today, like the what is pumped forward on the media. And if you know some, you know, your apologetics, anyone know what an apologetic or what apologetics are? Is everyone familiar? Well, apologetics is basically um, arguments for the defence of the faith. And, it, and you can just, little tidbits of information can really transform their thinking. You know, on Friday I went in there and I bumped into a guy called George, a Greek guy. And as soon as I found out he was Greek, you know, straight away, you know, I'm in a Greek family. And, you know, he went to Greek school down and down south. And I said, my wife taught in Greek school down south. And then it happened to be the same school and, and all that. So straight away got this relationship going. And, and then, anyway, this was an hour and 15 minutes. So I had two hours and he used up nearly all my time. <laughs> And uh, at the end, no kidding, he hugged me four times. He did the Greek goodbye then. Yes. Right, man, thanks very much. He shook my hand. Lovely to meet you. And, and then, oh, by the way. And so four times but until the guy left. And at the end, he's saying to me, you know what? I've talked to a lot of Greek priests. I've talked to a lot of people about Christianity. I've never, ever had anyone present what, what's, um, the way you've presented it and the, the spirit with which you've come forward with it. Um, you haven't judged me, you haven't condemned me. And I said, why would I judge you? I'm not supposed to judge you. I can't even you know, judge myself. 
Mm. You know, as the scriptures say. Mm. You know, but I know I've got to live a, a righteous life before a holy God. And as I'm saying these things, he's like he's never heard things like yeah. that put forward like that. And um, he was just absolutely thrilled. And he went away and he says, you know what, Rotten, this was, this was a guy, if you heard him mid-conversation, you would have thought there's no way this guy's going to be saying anything nice by the end of the conversation. <laughs> he said, you've changed my outlook on a lot of things today. Thank you so much. And I just keep saying just on the bottom there's a website. Um, go to the website, send me an email, and if you want to catch up for a coffee, I'd love to. And you leave them with them. Because what we're doing, we're sowing seeds. You know, you go out there and you just simply sow seeds. You don't expect it, you know. If God gets someone to turn to Christ right in front of you, absolutely amazing, you know. And will it happen and does it happen? It does. But if you're not out there, how are you ever going to experience it? But what I found was, I, I never, in all the churches I went to, none of the churches ever did street witnessing. And the only witnessing I ever did was with family and who knows family can be a hard oh, yeah. can be hard nuts to crack, you know, you're trying because they know you as how you are and but they don't people in the street don't know you from a bar of soap. So what they get is their interpretation of your uh, is straight away what you say, what the first thing that comes out of your mouth, the way you look, the way you present yourself and and so it was just incredible. I, I found it the most easiest thing to do in the world. And a beautiful thing, and it was really stimulating. And um, so I've decided we're going to start a street witnessing ministry and I'm going to be the first one that's going to go out all the time. I don't care if who comes along. If you want to come along, that'd be great. Anthony's going to come along with me sometime this week. And so anyone else want to come out and, and you just basically be very, very unassuming and you don't even have to pull out your flyer or anything. You just sort of, someone looks at you, you look at them and, hey, how you going? And people sort of stop and then you say, hey, I've got a question, just a quick question if you don't mind answering and if you do it in the right way, it's so easy to get in the conversation. And what I want to do is also prepare those that want to be part of this, prepare them how to do it. But this is what I found. This was the, there's a couple of different things I noticed. One is that I was more in Christ this week than I have been in, in probably most of my Christian walk. I was more in Christ. I was more working and actively by the Spirit of God this week than, than in previous weeks. You know, I wasn't preaching, right? It's a different anointing. Right now, it's a very different anointing to when I'm in the street. It's, a, it's like I, I feel like an absolute infant in it. You know what I mean? But I noticed one thing. The Spirit just said, listen to them, listen to them, listen to them. Because I know something from what they discovered in relation to psychology and, and different things is people need ears in this life. You know, not enough people listen anymore. They're always telling, 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 but not listening. So when you get out and you listen... You, you can be amazed just by some very, very easy-to-discover questions that present themselves to you as you're moving through the conversation that these people start to go, um, start to get led towards Christ just by choice questioning. Does that make sense? And those questions, you don't have to have them written down and, you know, what question should I use now? It just, it just does happen. And you just got to trust God, have faith. It's all faith. You know, Peter cannot walk on water, can he? <laughs> Peter could not walk on water, but he knew that if he put his faith in Christ, that he could do it. And that's simply what it is. We can't win a soul. We're going to find some scriptures that tell us we cannot have an impact for the kingdom of God in ourselves. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got to do with our willingness to be obedient as a witness, because that's what we are. 
We, the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you are a witness. And this is children right down. And that's why one of the young ones in the room, and I, and I know they can, they can hear me talking, but these, these guys from that age right through to the elderly, we're all called to be witnesses the moment we accept Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, will you be doing a, um, a sermon where you teach a lot, give us pointers and things like that? Well, I've done two, you know, witnessing to atheists. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that, those two sermons? I've done those, and I want to do more. Um, and we should, you know, go through different things. Like I bumped into a guy, his name was Ben, he's an Asian guy. And um, he, when I presented him, he was like really open-eyed and like, you know, really well-received what I said. And he says, I've got Jehovah Witnesses coming around, speaking to me. And they come every week. Like you. Yeah, yeah which was like me. And that's what I said. I said, you know, when I first got saved, before I even stepped foot in the church, some Jehovah Witnesses knocked on the door like about three days later. And I said, one thing that I did at that moment was, from the moment I got saved, I read the Bible within six weeks, the whole Bible. Mm. You know, because I'm one of your venal will tell you. I just, when I decide to do something, I just throw myself in headlong and, <laughs> and go nuts. And um, so I, I read the whole Bible within eight weeks, six mm. to eight weeks. But I had these Jehovah Witnesses coming every week because I had no idea. I was a new Christian. I had no idea that Jehovah Witnesses didn't believe the right way. Mm. But it, because I'd read the Bible... I had enough wisdom from the scriptures to be able to discern within six weeks their deception. And they were saying things to me, though, a whole range of things. I can't, I can't even remember. I won't even bring them up. But they would say something to me, and I would I'd go, um, no, I, I've just read completely contrary to that in the scriptures. And look, let me show you. And I was just up to the passage, and I, no, 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 please don't read from that section of the Bible. I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> They go, no, you're not supposed to read the Bible like an like a open book. You've got to read it like we, we reference it. So we read our little Charles Taylor's Russell type of books and we reference to the scriptures. And we pull a little con- uh, bit out of context and then we go back to the book and read their little stories with their little cartoon pictures and stuff. And I said, no, no, I don't do that. I'm not going to put my faith in the words there. I'm going to put my faith in the words here. And I knew that within six weeks. And I didn't even have a pastor. I wasn't even going to church. I just received Jesus Christ and read the Bible. So when I got to church, of course, you know, I was pretty shocked at the state of the church in, in different aspects of church life. Um, and it, became, it came from a clear reading of Scripture, just a pure reading of Scripture, with that, just with the Holy Spirit as my teacher. And so I could see through prosperity preaching. I could see through... Um, seeker-sensitive, you know, once saved, always saved, um, pre-trib. I didn't see pre-trib anywhere. And when I heard pre-trib, I go, oh, gee, I must have read this wrong then because I thought it was after. And then I, as the, the preachers would kept preaching, I would say, hang on, how did you interpret that to be a pre-trib rapture? And I was like, I, I, it just conflicted with me because of, again, because of that early foundation that I had set. So... Um, what am I trying to say? Yeah, this is the other point I wanted to say. When I was out there ministering, I would grab one person, or the Spirit would grab one person, and I would talk to that person, and it might have taken me one to two minutes before I started talking to that person, and I may have let 30 people walk past me before I talked to that one person. So 30 people missed out. And then while I'm talking to that person for the next half an hour, Hundreds, even potentially thousands, maybe a thousand people would have walked past me and missed out. And I'm thinking, wow, 
the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I've, I've got, you know, I really want to um, reach these people, but they're just flocking, just jump past in the droves, and, and I'm the only one out here doing it. And uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses are very active, aren't they? They're out there going door to door. The Mormons are out on their push bikes. They're going all over the place quickly. <laughs> you know, and I'm out there standing. I've only got one person. I've only got that one person. I've got a two-hour window and I've got, you know, three-quarter hour with one person. I'm losing all those people. And I realise, man, the harvest is so big. And all these people, no kidding, if you could get each person, if you had, if had the moment, you have to remember, sometimes, like, I, was, I went at lunchtime, so I couldn't stop everyone because they would say, sorry, mate, I haven't got time, and I knew they might have only had a 20-minute lunch break. I'm not going to try to impede on them right then. Hundreds of people, thousands, want to talk about God deep down. Actually, every single person does. Every single person does, wants to talk about God. So we have a harvest field which is every person. It's not just an, a few people. Everyone wants to know these things, don't they? And the church doesn't realise how easy it is. It's like fishing. It's as, it's as pleasurable as fishing. And this is the, the essence of this message. And I'm not trying to pressure all of you to want to do this, but I'm just saying, you know, if there's something in your heart that you feel you could step out in faith, come and talk to me. Because there's there are... Um, well, for a start, it will be the most exciting part of your Christianity you've ever experienced. You will never have had better experiences in your Christianity than the ones you will have when you do this. This, my, this one week has been the best Christian experience in my life. Seriously. Far outweighing... Um, like, I love church, don't get me wrong. I love the elements of church and I love um, the, the fellowship and all that. But from when, you know when you're trying to win souls, there's a... When they, and, and you can see them turning, you can see them coming around and they start off as hardened atheists and within an hour they're, you know, softened right down and they're, you know, that's exciting. It becomes thrilling. Am I too loud? Yeah, yeah, they, they got them thinking. And uh, so it, it is a, an amazing experience and you've just got to have that faith to step out and do it. So let's move on. Luke, have I read Luke 10? Yeah. Yes. I have? All right. Yes. The harvest is ripe, really ripe, <laughs> and the workers are few, so few. And the, the voices out there, there's so many voices out there, there's so many religions, and, you know, Islam, look out, because they are very, very radical. They are, they're moving at a far greater rate than Christianity, you know? Yeah, well, they, they might be forcing people to become Islamic, but the fact is, is they're growing at an exponential rate. Far faster than the church. Actually, the church is on the decline. The church, the real church, is actually dwindling really rapidly, and cults are rising. Jehovah's Witnesses are bigger than ever. Mormons are bigger than ever. Um, Christian Delphians and all them—they're all very active. So, you know, we we understand that these how these are, are religions and and the the deception that is going with them, and they're winning people into their their viewpoints. And we, we sh- we've got to stand up and say, hang on. The truth has got to be out there. And that's one of the things I always say to them. I always say to these atheists and stuff. I always say, does the truth matter? Does the truth matter to you? And this one guy, George, he, he said to me, no, I'm not, no, the truth doesn't matter to me. I said, oh, so you don't mind believing a lie then? He goes, well, not really. I said, so you're believing a lie, but... 
So you don't mind being deceived because you're believing a lie. That means you're un- under a deception. And he goes, oh, well, now that you put it that way. I said, but surely everything you've just said to me was your inversion of truth. But what I'm saying is I'm not trying to say your version of truth is wrong or right, but all I'm saying is, is it the truth, actually the truth? And then I said, and Jesus Christ said this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the embodiment of truth. And so in that, what he's saying is truth isn't a philosophy. Truth is a person. You know? And you just, that really plays with their atheistic mind when you start saying that. And if you say it with love and genuineness, and he's, he's you know, he, he was really, really touched because of the fact that I'm out there not, not doing it for a single cent. And he even said it. And I said, look, I'm not making money doing this, seriously. And he goes, well, I can see that. I can see that you're sincere in what you believe. And that's what they're looking for. Sincere people willing to have a long conversation if need be and be an ear to them. And then question them. Keep the questions coming. And it's amazing. It's so exciting. And the Holy Spirit carries you the whole way. Amen? Rob, can I say something? Yep. Everyone that is the expert in doing this. Most of the people that I've come across to and I've talked about, they all love to speak about the subject. And the reason there's so many thousands of religions around is because people are looking for God. They're trying to find the truth in some form. And sometimes they, they fall into the truth that's presented before them at the time, like a Jehovah Witness knocking on the door. And the person inside is, you know maybe just been diagnosed with cancer or something and they start telling him about God, their version of God, and this person doesn't have any other concept of God, so they go, yeah, yeah, I'll receive that. You know, there's many reasons why people become Jehovah's Witnesses. And you know the thing with Jehovah's Witnesses? They're lovely people a lot of the time. They, they can be very, very sweet people until you start bringing up their different doctrines. You see the spirit, they see a, a, another kind of spirit rise up in them and it, it reveals itself. All right. Can you see that this is important, this message? Yeah? All right. We speak the word of God. So Acts 4.31. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God. It came out of their mouths, the word. And this is called the word of God, so it's like the scriptures started to come out of their mouths. Let's go to Isaiah 55.11. And this is God speaking. If you go back to go back to ten, let's read it straight through from ten. Everyone there? It says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so the word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now that word is transferred by the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God. So the Holy Spirit gives us the words, and it will not return to God void, because the Holy Spirit has promised that he'll speak through us. And he speaks through those who act in faith, who step out in faith and say, you know what, I'm going to go and speak to this person, and I'm going to just trust in God, I'm going to speak, I'm going to step out and the word of God will not return to God void or empty. It will come back to him and in, in however it does. And what I mean by that is, is some people will reject the word and will be condemned, but others will accept the word and be saved. Amen? 
And so it's our responsibility to speak because how will they know unless someone tells them? So you can do that. You can start with people, you know, in your family. You can just sit down and say, you know, to someone that you've never had the guts to ask before, just say, you know, I think the most important question in his life is, does God exist? You don't have to give them the flyer. You just have to say that. What do you think? Get them talking because people love to talk about it. I've had some in, very interesting conversations in our family with people, you know, that, and I'll, I'll ask them that sort of thing and they'll start talking away and, and we can easily get in a conversation just by doing it. And it's not, it's not hard, but it's so important because it will not return to God void. Whatever we say has an incredible way of, of sowing something into that person's life. Amen? But it's got to be said and we've, we've got to step up to do it. John 12, 32. But when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. When he's lifted up from the earth, he will draw all men to himself. So the promise is to all men. He will, and, and he draws all men through his church. It's the church that does it. It's not like, like sure, some people get visions. You know, some Muslims become Christian because they have a vision of Jesus Christ. Or well, they have a near-death experience and Jesus Christ confronts them and they come out of their, these experiences and turn to Jesus with all their heart. Sure, that happens, but we can't count on that for everyone. It's not the way it originally is meant to be. It, you know, it will happen because the Bible says, and you know, as these days approach, people will receive dreams and, and visions and so on. Mm. But it's, we're meant to reach men through love, yeah. wanting to see people saved. That's how we're meant to do it. We're meant to uh, have enough, um, uh, be so, uh, what's the word? Not concerned with self and not concerned with what people think of us, that you can die to self and go out there and give, give of yourself to these people, in a sense. Or give yourself to the Holy Spirit so he can use you to speak to these people, you know? Because it, the only thing that will stop most of us from doing it is we, we will be thinking, oh, what happens if that person swears at me and makes it, makes, embarrasses me in front of people? Mm. What happens if they, they just uh, have this huge argument and yell at me? What happens if someone spits in my face? And we get all these, we, we're concerned with ourselves, but Jesus tells us and the scriptures tell us that we should die to self and live for Christ. And if we're living for Christ, that's, that's the fruit. That's the sort of life you'll live. You'll be speaking to people. You'll be talking to people. And that's why the disciples were so effective, because they lived 24-7 talking to people. 24-7. You know, if, what I would have done, I would have been coming on their lunch break. You know, that would have been their lunch break, or not even. Probably have a half an hour lunch and go back and witness more, 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 more. They would have been there from the morning till the night. They said they used to meet in the marketplaces, get there in the morning, early. And they'd say that all day, talking to people. Anyone who wants to talk, they'd talk to everyone. And they filled Jerusalem with their teaching. They filled it. Twelve men, probably, plus the women and, and, and other disciples. But they filled Jerusalem with their teaching. And so when you think about it, you imagine a, a huge church of a thousand people, if they all said, you know what, you're right, I'm going to witness. Could a large church, with a few hours you know, every week, fill Adelaide with their teaching? You know what I mean? We could fill Adelaide with the teaching of Christ in a way that hasn't been done like it before, just through just sheer love 
and concern for people. You know what I mean? And it's like, I can't express it enough until you do it. It's the most beautiful experience. Sure, there was a few people that, you know, uh, you know, sort of, nah, sorry, man, nah, not interested. You know, okay, no worries, God bless you. But I didn't care about them. Hmm. I did care about them, but you know what I mean? I didn't care that they said something that may, could have made me feel like I would, you know, well, this is, uh, I don't want to talk anymore to anyone anymore because he just was rude to me. Who yeah. cares if they're rude to you? You know, we've got to turn the other cheek. Shake the dust off your feet. Shake your dust off, the, off, the, off your feet. Yeah. There was one lady that took and I said, can I stop and talk to you? She says, no. I said, are you an atheist? She says, no, I'm an agnostic. How long have you been an agnostic? As he was walking away. <laughs> Since birth. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's all I said to her. But I thought, I just led to say it because she was the only one I actually yelled out to. You know? And uh, she sort of chuckled as she was, as she was doing it because uh, I found it funny as well. I was laughing as I was saying it. But she left, that, that would have left a huge impression on her. Yeah. Walked away going, yeah, how long have I, when did I become an agnostic? <laughs> Surely I wasn't an agnostic at birth. And then she'll probably honestly, she'll go, you know what, I did believe in God, you know. There was a point where that stopped, you know. And so who knows what happens there, you know, that little bit of contact. It's incredible and it's exciting and I get thrilled by it. It's just, it's so much fun. Yeah, but uh, I've never done this before. I've never done it quite like this. And it, it happened like, because Vina normally says, you went out witnessing. You never told me you were going to go out witnessing. And I said, well, I didn't realise I was going out witnessing <laughs> until about an hour before. And it was funny, the urge came on me, you know, go out witness. And I quickly, I thought, all right, before this urge leaves me, quickly type up some tracks so I've got something to give. I printed them out, and it was the one I made there, and I did it real quick. And, uh, and I jumped in the car before I gave myself a second thought. Mm. And I went straight there, and the whole way there, praying, 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 Lord, just lead me. And no kidding, that, that was the... Incredible. It's like God gave me an awesome experience. You know? I went up to another man, a, an old man. He was sitting on the seat. And he was like hanging his head and he looked like he was asleep. And a really old man in his 70, late 70s. And uh, sat down with him. I, I came up to him first and just knelt down and I put the flyer under, or the, I should call it a trap, it's not a flyer, put the trap under his nose. And he, he goes like this, a bit startled. I said, I just want to ask you a question. And he's just this real sweet old man. What would you like to know? Does God exist? And he goes. And then he started to talk. And he, I could see just as just that question made cogs start to turn in his mind. And I saw things like chink, 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 chink. Okay, God, you know. And then I got to, I said, and what about Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? And he goes, oh, no. What about Jesus? What did... Why did Jesus come to earth? And then I could tell he'd had a little bit of religious training because he, he said he came to die for the sins of the people. I said, yes, he came to die. His name was Gary. He came to die for your sins. And my sins, but your sins. I said, have you ever given your life to Jesus? And he's sort of just thinking. He didn't answer the question. He's just thinking. But um, I was going to give him my phone number, but I, he, I said, you don't, probably don't use the internet. No, I'll use the internet. I said, well, they go to that website. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it was amazing. I sat with that guy for like half an hour. So that was Friday, and he got to speak to three people. One was too quick because he was on his lunch break. But the other two, I, an hour and 15 minutes and a half an hour, and 10 minutes of trying to 
get someone. You know what I mean? But it was just, it was amazing. And I'm addicted to it. You know, because I, I always had this feeling that it was going to be really tough and I wouldn't know what to say. And, and then I realised, man, it's hard to get a word in because once they open up, then, then the whole thing is trying to direct the conversation where you want it to go, keep it from going off into... You know, the wrong places. We should have a wall somewhere, or a big piece of paper, where we, whoever comes to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Write their names. Write their names. Definitely. God Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's we're called to be fishers of men, aren't we? Mm. Yep. And that's, you know, I, I, what I've discovered in, in preparing this sermon is every single Christian is called to this. You think about it. When in Jerusalem all the Christians were persecuted, after the stoning of Stephen, and they were spread into the countryside, and everywhere they all went, they spread the word of God. It went everywhere with them, and they started to convert all the countries around them. Yeah. And uh, they had incredible success leading people to Christ because they couldn't help but speak about the things they'd seen and heard. That's what the scriptures say. They couldn't help but speak about it. And... Uh, that's where we've got to get to the point where we, we're not too shy to bring it up. Mm. That we learn how to bring it up. And the only way to learn how to bring it up is to place yourself in a situation where that's what you're there to do. Mm. Bring it up. Mm. And you quickly learn in the school, in that sort of a school environment when you're out there and you put... Now, don't you... If you if just say you think, you know what, I, sh I should be doing this and you want to come along, don't worry about it. If you stuff up, because some people say, I wouldn't want to do it because I might say the wrong thing and could cause that person to go to hell because I might have, you know, done something really bad to them, you know. I don't think so. You, if you trust in the Holy Spirit, you pray adequately and you do it with love because you do it for a and you really sincerely, everyone you talk to, you sincerely want to help them to find Christ in a gentle and loving way. You can't do harm, you know. And if you stuff up, I'm sure... God will help you through it and correct it in their mind even. Maybe just blank out that part they didn't hear you say it. You know, you can be, I can be talking and you might be seeing my mouth move but you're thinking about something else. <laughs> no. It can happen. doesn't happen no. in this church. No, I'm pretty sure every, every minute or so. All right. All right. So if you know that God's word will accomplish what God desires and that the gospel is, the, is powerful to save and that it is Jesus who draws all men to himself, then you should realise that the responsibility of salvation does not rest on you. It's not on you. That's, the burden's not on you. He's taken that burden. That's his job. But it's on God. You are the teacher or the deliverer of good news, and that's what your job is, and that's Matt Sleep. He's got, a, he's got some good stuff I see on the internet from time to time. So 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. And it says, I, I planted the seed, Polos watered it, but God made it grow. Mm -hmm. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Yeah. Man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. So the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. When you go in, into a garden, your purpose is to plant your seeds and plant the seedlings and prepare the soil and, you know, and, 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 and do the watering. But when it comes down to it, they, they will grow because of the miracle of, that God has done in, in the earth when he put life into those seeds and those seeds pop up. You know. And the better, like, surely, you know, you, as you understand, some gardens are better than other gardens. 
You know, one guy goes into his veggie garden and throws some seeds around and, you know, summer comes and you look at the garden and you go, man, that's terrible. Didn't do that very well. But you see this other guy, you know, an Italian fella and he's got this incredible forest. <laughs> and he's got tomatoes, you know, touching the roof and, he's got, and everything's healthy and, you know, they're very good at what they do. But, you know, that gardener who didn't do well, if he studies and researches and spends a bit of time maybe with the Italian fella... He's going to learn to grow a garden like that, you know. I learned a few things about gardening, and I learned some off uh, my friend Luch, who is an Italian, and he had some skills because his dad taught him, and he showed me some basic ways of doing things. I off you too. Yeah, and Matthew ha- has grown some great gardens over the years, and um, and I sort of from. But you also studied a lot of people oh. too. Yeah, but we study other things too. I, you know, I'm interested in veggie gardens, so I get on online and check things out. But there's also, in the same light, and the only reason I use it as an analogy, in the same light, you can, uh, if you see Adelaide as your garden and you go on to plant seeds, you can get very skillful at doing it. And you only do it by practice, you know, by putting yourself into those positions on a regular basis. You go out and talk to people more and more and you get better and better and better and more casual, more relaxed. And the more relaxed you get, the more they like it and, and so on. But is not that what we're supposed to do? Is it? Is that what Christians are called to do? Put up your hand if you believe that. Great commission. You know, the great commission. You know, a lot of people think being a Christian is just attending church once a week. They think that's all. That's all. That's all going. Keep that. My seat warm for the week. <laughs> pew warmers, as they call. Them. Yeah, that's why we don't have pews here. Chairs. <laughs> Chairs. But a Christian, that's what we're meant to do. You know, Jesus has put his hope in us to do it. Jesus died for his church so that his church could grow and multiply exponentially through the church's activity uh, according to his will. And the church is meant to be doing that. And that's why on Tuesday of the week gone, that I got up and I said, uh, once I... I can't even remember how the revelation came to me, but I just said, you know what, this is it. I, I'm going to go and do it. You know? It's got to be done. It's got to be done. And then when I started doing it, I realised, whoa, it's so big. The harvest field is so big. It's far bigger than it was back in Jesus' day. We've got millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people on earth. It's probably an exaggeration just then, if you really... Oh, it's probably beyond the population of the earth now. But... We've got a few billion people on the earth that don't believe in Jesus. Quite a few billion. That's a big harvest field. When you understand how, how many a billion is. Who's gone into the city in the last few weeks during all the festivities? Anyone walked around the city and seen how busy it is? Is there a lot of people? You know that's a spot in the ocean. That's a spot. That's a dot. You walk down where, you know, uh, what is it called? The fringe. And there is just... Blankets of people everywhere. You know, run the streets all blocked off. It's just people everywhere. There's just seemingly millions. It just seems like that. Wow, I didn't know there was this many people in Adelaide. And that's only, what are we in Adelaide? 1.8 million or something? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And that's only a small portion yeah. of Adelaide. And 1.8 million is a very small city yeah. compared to Melbourne. And Melbourne and Sydney, which are big cities, is very small compared to some cities in the world. Yeah. So the harvest field is huge huge like, it's not until you get out there and start doing it that you realise man we've got so much work to do man if this is a veggie garden I've got a lot of work to do 
got a lot of hoeing to do, my back's going to be sore. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. And sometimes the, the, the size of the, the magnitude of what's ahead is so daunting that you just think, well, you know what? I'm not bother. There's too many unsaved. I don't know what to do. So you just about take that back seat. You know the feeling? Where do I start when a whole city is atheist, just about? Where do I start with that? I remember uh, Yako and, and Alzheimer were saying about um, the, how humanistic Adelaide is. Compared to South Africa, every bookstore you walk in, a news agency, there was always a Christian section throughout South Africa. They get here and you can't find a Christian book except in, you know, Kurong or a couple of little second-hand bookstores. So our, our city is, is, is really, really going, going anti-Christian. We're in a godless place. And we are supposed to be lights on a hill. We're supposed to be placed up there so that people can look to us and receive salvation. And our words have to be spoken. Well, the word of God must be spoken. We've got to rise up and say we must do this because we are called to be witnesses. And, and you know what? I call it um, treasure hunting. Call it treasure hunting. You want to build treasure in the kingdom of God? You won't be saved for it, seriously. You won't be saved because you did this. That's, we're saved by what? Grace. Grace. Through Hey, we're saved. But, um, it's to, but the works is what he's called us to do. And he says that my people will bear fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. And what is the fruit? We're getting people saved. Or at least we'll be preaching the word of God. When I say preach, not standing on a soapbox and giving it to them. Just going out and talking to people. Yeah. And that's what we're called to do. And it's a, it's a big call. And I don't want to get to heaven and God saying, uh, you know, Every Saturday at around this time, you had a few hours spare, and every Sunday you had a few hours spare, and you had an hour spare here and there, and um, Rob preached a sermon on it, and we've never gone out and done it. What would Jesus be doing if, if, if he was here? Would he be telling you, get out there and preach? Yes. Or tell people? Would he be saying it? Yes. You know, because I can imagine some people, um, hopefully not in this church, but some people say, Rob, you put pressure on everyone to go out and speak street witness, and they might not want to. You know, that whole, we've got to only do it if we, if we feel led to do it. You know, who's had that? Who feels that? Oh, I don't feel that that's my calling. I don't feel that's right for me. I've got to have, have the right um, attitude to do it or whatever. Do you know what? It's not about that. That's like saying, I'll love my fellow brother or sister if I choose to. Are we called to love? Are we commanded to? Yes. We're commanded to. You've got to love me. I've got to love you. I've got no choice. I have to love you. And I've got to like you too. <laughs> you know, you can love people and not like them. Yeah. But we've got to love them. We've got to love them. But we're also called to be witnesses. It's, he says, you receive power and you'll be my witnesses. So some people say, oh, I've got to, I can escape this. I haven't received power yet. <laughs> but I believe this as well. Like, sure, there is a, a significant baptism, a, a power baptism that is separate to your salvation experience. Who believes that in this church? Yeah? Does Scripture talk about it? Yeah, it's separate. Some people don't believe that. Some people believe when you accept Jesus, you're baptised with power, but I don't believe it. But I also believe when, I'm, when I went out there, I received power to do what I did. The moment, you know, when Peter got out of the boat, he wasn't baptised with the power of the Spirit. This was during Jesus' ministry. Peter got out of the boat and he had faith, didn't he? And he walked on the water. 
That's incredible. Did he sink? Oh, what did he do? He took his eyes off. Jesus started looking at, his, at the impossible task that he was just undertaking. He looked at the water. And then he looked back at Joel. Jesus reached out and lifted him up. So what he's saying is even if you step out of the boat and then you look at what you're doing, you go, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm actually talking to someone. And you start to get all worried. Don't worry, Jesus will come in and he'll help you, even at that moment. And he'll carry you through that. That's, what the, that's the faith. So what, I, what I, my task has been over the last few years is my task has been to find out what, how is the church meant to operate and how are the, church, the people of God meant to be, the kind of people we're supposed to be, like are we supposed to be holy, and cut through all the stuff that's getting taught out there and, and just going straight from the Word, straight from the Word. And that's always been my, my way of approach to this. You know, anyone who's been here a while would understand that. Mm. So the ministry, fishers of men, Mark 1.16, and just turn there for the sake of it, Mark 1.16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Now the key words here is, I will make. I will make you. He says, come follow me, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So what you do is you say, all right, I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to follow Christ, and if I follow Christ the correct way according to his will, he will make us fishers of men. So he'll teach us how to speak. He'll give us the words by the Holy Spirit. That's his promise. So in a sense, when you step out the first time, what I did on Tuesday when I stepped out for the first time, I put him to the test. But I, I wasn't thinking, I'm putting my Lord to the test here. I wasn't thinking that. But in a sense, I did. I put my, put my Lord to the test a bit because I just went obediently in accordance with Scripture and went out and did it. And as a result, I had an incredible experience which has fired me up from then on to believe everything he said about this is true, even to the point that it felt like fishing. It felt like fishing. You know, fishing's fun if you're into fishing. It's fun. And if you're not into fishing, when you go and do finally fish and you do it for a little while, you actually start to enjoy it. Especially when you catch one. You know? I don't fish very often, but I went out fishing with my father-in-law. And all we could catch were these tiny little things. But you know how exciting it was to pull those tiny little things. I've got another one. And we, we get our old bucket full. And it turned out like white bait, you know, and we cooked them all. Anyone know what white bait is? Yeah, the Greeks here were. Yeah, it's just like little fried, um, they're like chips, but they're skinny little. Yeah, yeah. yummy, aren't they? Leave the head on and everything and eat the whole lot. <laughs> Go to a Greek restaurant, always order white bait. Um, now, we're, so the, the key word was, I will make you. It's Jesus' job to empower you. It's Jesus' job to equip you, to give you the words by the Spirit, and is to carry you through it all. And now the, the next thing is equipping the saints. Hebrews 13, 20, let's... All right, and it says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, whom be glory forever and ever. So may he equip us. Go to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture, everyone there? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
so that the man of God may thoroughly be equipped. So everything, like even what I'm saying to you today, is to equip you. So you can, you know, uh, like if you, what, what I'm, I might do is get some of these little uh, these tracks printed up so that we can have, you know, thousands of them and, and you can all take a bunch. And it's amazing. Like I said, I went down to Semaphore to meet Bill and I just thought, I'll go half an hour early and see if I can talk to someone. And then I ended up meeting this guy and it was great. You know, I had a half an hour conversation. And that was just with half an hour spare. Just went up and talked to someone and just shared, shared God, shared Christ. And, um, yeah, so it, if you've got them there with you, you can just take different opportunities. You go down to the mall and you, you've got 20 minutes. You see a, a, an old person sitting there on their own. Just go up and say, you know, does God exist? It's a good question. And you can, and they love it. Old people love to have a chat, you know. But you know how many old people don't believe in Jesus? Because they got brought up in this religious thing and, and they, uh, they never liked it. So, so the moment they, they grew up, they never went to church again. They got these negative ideas about it. But it doesn't change the fact that God exists. You know, so they, they've got plenty to say. Though. Bill and I had an interesting discussion, didn't we? We sat down to eat our hamburgers and across from us was this, um, uh, a man and his wife and their son. The man and wife were in their 70s and the son was... How old was he? About 50 or something? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we soon realised that the woman was uh, in charge. <laughs> and the men, she, they just sat there. And uh, we, because I, I, Bill said, oh, why don't we talk to these people? And I got up straight away and walked over. And he said, no, not, not yet. Said, no, no, no time like the present. Give them the flyer and away we went. And that was, how long did we speak to them for? I reckon more, half an hour. Yeah, easy. I'd finished my burger and Bill was still halfway through. <laughs> um, but yeah, and we had this great conversation, but you know, she rejected everything, but uh, it, was, it was still incredible. It got them thinking. And the man said to, uh, hung around, they walked off. Remember the son and the mother, and then the man hung around, he wanted to keep talking. And I just said to him, Look, when you face that day, when you might be passing on from this life, Turn to Jesus with all your heart and repent. You know, give your life over to Him. He said, "Repent for what?" He says, "I've been to prison." <laughs> like I said, well, "I've done my time, buddy. I've repented." I said, "Well, the fact that you went to prison proves that you've sinned." <laughs> anyway, and uh, but he, he was a nice old fellow, wasn't he? And uh, anyway, so he, and that was just sitting there having lunch. We just saw these people across from us, and we just. Ask the question. And think of it this way. If you feel that self-conscious about it, you'll never see him again, probably. That's why I think about it. To make a fool of myself, I'll never see me again. Maybe in heaven. <laughs> well, there you go. And then they'll come up and say, thanks for your really pathetic effort. <laughs> I was put off for you. Yes. But a seed grew somehow, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, so the, the ministry is that it's equipping. So... If you don't feel quite, you know, if you want to do it, just say it's in your heart to do it, but you're just not sure how do I do it. There's incredible resources. And I'm not telling you to go to these resources and do what the Jehovah's Witnesses do. They memorise their scriptures that relate to what they believe, and, and it's all planned out. Um, but I'm talking about uh, understanding what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. So if you come across a Jehovah's Witness, you can actually witness to them. And you only have to learn... Um, it's not like you have to memorise everything on the page. You might find 20 things to preach to or Jehovah Witness to get them converted. You know, you're never going to remember all of them on the moment because, you know, when you get to the moment, 
suddenly can't remember one point. <laughs> Has anyone had that experience? Yep. You know, you've, you know, I've got a wealth of information here, but I can't remember any of it. And I think that's deliberate. Because we have to depend on the Holy Spirit who's going to make us more sensitive, not pound him with 20 reasons why Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong, but show them why it's better to believe in a Christ who died on the cross for their sins, which is what they don't believe. You know? So, things like that. So, um, and there's, so there's tons and tons of resources, and we can, you know, I'm planning to do more sermons on. You know, witnessing to Muslims and witnessing to witnesses, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and witnessing to Christadelphians. I want to do those. Um, I've done a sermon series, which is also yeah. good for you to look up. If you go to, if you know anything about podcasting, go to the iTunes store and look up my name or Blessed Hope Chapel, South Australia. But I think it's my name gets them there. Yeah. And uh, and there's a series I did called Uncovering Religion. Anyone know it? Yeah. yeah. And the Uncovering Religion series, I went through just about every major religion. And uh, I, I go and uh, explore the origins, um, the founding fathers of those religions, what they, what kind of people they were. Um, it was hard to do with Hinduism, though, but most of them, others, had it was very clear. And uh, I also looked at their basic teachings and the teachings that conflict with Scripture, things like that. And so they're really interesting, and, and they're probably our most listened to podcasts. Currently, the Blessed Hope Chapel South Australian podcast. We have 3,000 listens a week, which is pretty cool. So that, we're a mega church. 3,000 listeners to our podcast per week. And I think about 1,500 are the Uncovering Religion. That's how interested Christians are in finding out about the other religions in the world because they are all confronted with Muslims and Hindus. and you know. Um, uh, for an example, Veena and I were in Melbourne a, few, I think a couple of years ago and the, with the kids, but we went off uh, for our anniversary or something. Oh no, we just got a gift. We went off to the casino to have this pizza in this real special place, which supposedly makes the best pizzas in Australia or something. Um, they're pretty good pizzas too. <laughs> but anyway, on our way there, we took a ta- taxi, and a Hindu guy was there. And I said, "So, you Hindus, you worship cows?" He goes, "Yes, yes, I worship cows." I said, uh, "Why do you worship cows?" And he goes, because they give us milk. They give us life through the milk. And I said, potatoes give you sustenance, but do you worship a bush, a potato bush? And he goes, like this, you just sort of... <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, he's got a point. And then at that moment we pulled up at the place and I had to get out. But um, it was just funny, you know, if I had another half an hour with him, I could have at least... Showed him how silly some of the things that they're doing. Would have cost you a bit. Yes, it's all on the top. Yeah. But um, it's, it's fun, guys. So if you want to look at it, we, um, I plan to do street ministry regularly. Um, for me, it works best through the day because I, my afternoons, I teach piano through, through the evening, most evenings. But we can, I'm planning maybe to do like even a Saturday, um, Saturday afternoon and, and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes it, it can be you just come out, you don't even have to do anything, just watch, watch us do it. And one thing I, I also realise is people like it one-on-one. Yeah. So not two-on-one, not two Christians standing there. You know, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. We um, just one-on-one, and Anthony and I just had a plan that Anthony would sort of talk a bit, and then he might go and stand over there at a distance so they don't even see that we're together. Yeah. Um, and just look for an opportunity, you know, and it's fun. 
you'll have a real, real ball. But at the same time, we're doing serious stuff. It's very, very serious. This is eternal lives that we're dealing with. These are people potentially who are going to go to hell if, if we believe our scriptures. And we could bring them to salvation. But God has given us the most wonderful way of helping people find him through a medium which is fun and exciting. Yet the church doesn't take advantage of it. And he's probably sitting up there going, I gave you a good hint, it's like fishing. <laughs> Surely, you know, you, you're going to have fun, you enjoy fishing. Well, this is even better. Amen. And the disciples, remember this, the disciples gave up fishing to become fishers of men. That meant that whatever, that, that attraction was greater than the actual fishing that they were doing, which they obviously enjoyed, even though it was their work. Amen? Yes. All right, so let's finish. Uh, oh, by the way, one last point is we do it in prayer. That's the key. Mm. And you stay in prayer more than ever. Because, uh, you know, all the way there, I was nervous my heart was going, do, 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 do. and I was praying, 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 get there, and then you're praying, where's the person, Lord, send the person, Lord, give me a divine encounter right now. And then you start speaking to the person, and you're praying, and they're speaking, and they're talking in all wonderful, weird directions and stuff, and you're just sort of like, Lord, please help this man to find, you know, the truth, and, and so on. Mm. And I reckon it would be great if some women could come out, because I, I, I'm still not comfortable to stop women, even though I, I, I stopped one little Asian girl because she sort of was hanging around like this sort of looking and like that and she was right next to me and I go hey hey go <laughs> do you believe in Jesus I'm a Catholic and um, and then I, I not, said um, not badly, so how, how, how strong a Catholic are you she goes oh you know I was brought up Catholic I said so do you go to church every weekend oh no so what no. Easter Christmas mm, yeah yeah and you know a few things like that I said so are you such a strong Catholic that you would do what I'm doing right now? And she goes, no. <laughs> and at that moment, her boyfriend or friend, it was a guy, came up. And uh, so I started talking to him. I said, what about you? Uh, do you believe in God? And because she was talking to me, he, was, he straight away had to answer. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, I don't believe in God. And she sort of went like this. <laughs> she didn't obviously realise it. They and, broke uh, up there. Yeah, they went away. I can't stay with you. I'm a Catholic girl. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. So that can happen. You can ruin people's relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, thank you, Lord. Lord, we just um, thank you for this time. And I just ask you, Lord, that you bless each and every one of us here uh, with your spirit and that your spirit would just go with us and empower us and and work in all our hearts and lives. Lord, we, um, I've put a challenge out there today to the church, and Lord, I know it's come straight from you. Um, and Lord, I just pray that somehow you'll talk to a, a few of us here that you might place upon their hearts to want to um, uh, look a little bit further into this and, um, and just help this church become a proactive church, a church that's really out there. And we know our sister church, Blessed Hope Chapel in California, Mm. I think they go out twice a week or something, uh, street witnessing, and uh, they love it. They, there's a big group of them go, and they, they're all excited to do it. So um, now I understand why, and I thank you that you put it on my heart to step out by faith. Mm. And I just pray that you'll put it on more and more of our hearts um, to step out in faith in this and uh, help us to um, become a church that is you know, really out there to win souls and bring people to know Jesus. And Lord, we also pray that you'll send more and more people here um, to this church to hear the word of God 
And I pray that this church becomes a vibrant church, a, a church full of um, passionate Christians who are excited about uh, the things that have happened during the week as they've witnessed and lived for you and, and told people about the word. Because yeah. I know my, my Christianity went to a new level this week and I pray that more and more of us will have that same experience and come to church on a Sunday just to give testimonies, just to come up the front and tell, tell us wonderful things that they've experienced while uh, putting themselves out there. And uh, so I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, bless this day and... Uh, mm. um, we have to. We won't have much fellowship time at all today because we have to um, move pretty quick. But uh, I just pray your blessing over um, all of us this week. May your spirit just move in, in and through all of us, and may we have a wonderful week uh, as we serve you and live for you. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.